Canuck Central in the Kintech studio. This hour of Canuck Central is brought to you by Brevo. Brevo provides convenient cloud-based access control systems from your mobile device for any industry. Go to lp.brevo.com slash Canada for a smart demonstration. Uh, a lot of uh, texts, questions came in here on the uh, Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. We will get to some of those, but first let's bring in our next guest. He is uh, with the Canucks development staff. It is Mike Commissaris. Mike Commissaric. Thanks for joining us, Mike. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for making time for us. Uh, you know the the big club's playing so well right now, but uh, there's there's a lot of things that's going on uh, under the surface that are really uh, really enticing as well with this Vancouver Canucks squad and you being a part of the development staff. Uh, what are you seeing with uh, some of the prospects in the organization and and how things are shaping up below the big squad? Every, you know, you come to development camp and you get a fresh batch of guys and you're always excited to kind of connect with them on a personal level and then spend a little time with them on the ice. And then, uh, you know, off they go back to uh, their homes and then to the start of the season. So I've uh, been making the rounds uh, for the first couple months here, seeing all our guys, uh, watching them, uh, you know, in person, meeting with, with them after the games. And then even when we're not at games, uh, you know, whether it's Chris Higgins or Mikel Samuelson, uh, you know, we're watching tape on them and we're in constant communication, giving them feedback and supporting them along the way. So it's been uh, it's been a fun, uh, fun few months. The big club's doing well, but uh, fun having a, a small little hand in these guys' uh, growth. And as far as some of these players go, and the one that, you know, a lot of Canucks fans are very intrigued by is Tom Willander, who has gotten off to a pretty good start, I'd say, uh, based on what we've seen uh, at the NCAA level so far this season. What, do you, what are you making of the progress he's shown and how he's adjusting to North America? So much promise. Uh, he's, he's full of confidence. He's someone, uh, you know, the second we drafted him, uh, you know, being a, being a big D, right shot D, uh, you know, I was really excited to, to, uh, to work with him. But um, uh, we're excited about all our guys. Uh, Tom's had a great start. Um, you know, a lot of pressure on that team. I think they were ranked on one of the top teams in, in the country. And, you know, they've had some uh, up and down weekends. But uh, Tom plays with tons of poise, tons of confidence. You know, the first thing that sticks out for me is his, uh, his skating ability, especially his feet. Um, you know, he's, he's uh, able to close on players. Uh, you know, he has tons of range, covers a lot of ice. Um, you know, early on, the, the passing ability and his vision and accuracy has uh, stuck out. Um, he's got a kind of sneaky, quick wrister release from the point. Um, you know, it's just uh, you could see, you know, our amateur staff, you know, we talk about development, but our amateur staff puts in – thousands of hours of uh, scouring the earth, trying to find these guys and get to know these guys on and off the ice. And, uh, um, you know, we're excited about all our guys. What do you notice about young young defensemen and uh, maybe how they're different uh, in, in the modern game than they may have been uh, 20 years ago? Man, the, 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 the start point from when these guys, what they, you know, the, the foundation that they have, the skill set, um, the puck skills, the skating ability, resources that these guys have at a much younger age just benefits them so much you've seen these guys come in and uh coming in at a younger age the younger players uh league um and having having impacts um but you know for tom it's uh you know so much gets thrown at these guys uh, on their plate right they they get drafted it's kind of a whirlwind process especially the high draft picks right they're they're making the tours they're doing the combine they're having interviews they know team 
Um, they're under constant uh, microscope, and we get them into dev camp, and it's it's almost like they get the exhale. So um, we're there to kind of support them throughout their journey. Uh, Tom, um, you know, it, it's a bit of adjustment, right? Like getting acclimated to the college hockey game, um, playing a little against a little older players. Um, you know, the size of the ice, the angles, the stick positioning. Um, you know, but he's adapted really well. These kids are growing, and uh, you know, even from the first couple games to uh, we're what two months in. You could see the 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 uh, the adaptations and the growth they've made. So it's uh, really promising, and, and like I said, it's fun to be a part and and kind of to report to you guys, and then even report to uh, you know up to management. Mm-hmm. They're always excited and asking about how our guys are doing. And in terms of uh, your guys' draft process, you guys put a lot of focus in on character and and IQ in terms of players. And when you look at a guy like Willander, for instance, and how he's embraced the challenge so far, how much of that is going to really determine what he becomes ultimately, embracing these types of challenges and having the right mindset? Yeah, uh, you know, the challenges, um, you know, these guys are going to face adversity. They're going to face, they're going to have to adapt and grow. Um, but at the same time, it's uh, it, 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 it's kind of constantly, you know, I, I came in as a, you know, I got drafted in 2001. I was a power play guy in college and, uh, you know, I was putting up points and, uh, you know, I came in the NHL as a shutdown physical D, right? So, um, you know, these, these guys are so aware of uh, recognizing the balance between their strengths and weaknesses and where they need to improve, where they need to grow, and they're constantly – trying to find that little competitive edge and uh we're 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 there to kind of help them um you know under you know not only kind of support them with with what they do well but kind of help them uh you know give them insight give them awareness on on where they can improve so um all our guys have responded really well there um like i said one of the big is um when these guys come in is the self-evaluation kind of being honest with themselves taking an honest look and, um, you know, the, the, the character and, you know, having, um, you know, the mental kind of fortitude to, to, to take an honest look um, takes, takes, you know, takes, takes a little something from you. So, um, you know, it, it, it's been great. Uh, like I said, the Amherst has been great. And, um, you know, we're, we're, it's a pleasure to work with these guys. When it, when it comes to defending, I mean, uh, defending habits seems like it, it's had to change a little bit as well uh, over the years. And, um players you know the, the skating ability and the recovery and you know, having to use your stick more as it's still a physical game but maybe not as physical as as it used to be as the speed and skill continues to ramp up it seems every single year but but how do you see the way um it, you have to defend in today's game and is it different from from when you were a shutdown guy oh absolutely i mean you know, back in the day, that that top line, uh, you know, you'd have some skilled guys, and maybe the second, third line would contribute. Now, you you know, most teams have four lines that can contribute, could could hurt you, could put pucks in the net. Um, I think it's kind of realizing, could you know, realizing those pressure points. And I put the puck carrier in spots where he doesn't want to be to take away. You know, when everyone talks about time and space, but. Um, making those puck carriers a little bit more uncomfortable with angles and sticks and disruptions. I mean, I think it's it's such an understated skill of um, you know breaking down video and we're sending you know videos of NHLers and how they influence passing, shooting lanes, and um, you know the game has never had more skill in it. It's uh, you know I think the league's geared towards offense and scoring goals, and as a D man, 
um, you know, when you have kids, uh, you know, we have a handful of guys who, you know, have high hockey sense and IQ and, and, and good, good puck skills. But um, when you have kids that are eager to, uh, that, that take pride in defending and their play away from the puck, that, 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 that's really special. So um, it's something that, you know, uh, you know, the guys in van, you know, you look at Quinn Hughes, you look mm-hmm. at the steps that he's taken from year to year, right? Like um, Quinn, I, you know, I, before Vancouver, I was working with uh, Buffalo and I saw Quinn play a lot in Michigan. And, you know, I would have never thought like, you know, the way he defends and uses his stick, right? Like his skating ability, his forward skating, not just kind of accepting the rush, guy, letting mm-hmm. guys come into the zone. So um, it's it's a real testament to, to Quinn and his professionalism and the strides that he's taken, like, you know, we can't stress enough to uh, our young guys, uh, you know, when they come to camp and they see the older guys, like these guys are working at their craft every single day. Those little nuances, like you said, the little stick decisions, so huge, right? Mm-hmm. It could make the difference between, uh, you know, spending, uh, you know, 40 seconds in your sh- in, in your D zone defense or, you know, you know, get, getting up the ice, transitioning and getting up on offense. Uh, now, as far as uh, some more of these individual players and the success they're having right now, Hunter Brustevich has, you know, obviously lit the OHL on fire so far, and he's another one of those new-age defensemen, very good offensively, but, you know, has obviously some room to grow defensively. But does it seem like he's already taking a step in his draft plus one year? Yeah, he's been, you know, lighting it up, tons of points. You know, they're, they're, uh, that first line in, in, in Kitchener, uh you know, putting up tons of points, power play, five on five. They're just dominant um, with possession and scoring chances and creating those opportunities. Um, Hunter's been so impressive with his poise and awareness with the puck. Um, you know, he, he's great in transition. He could, you know, make that quick strike pass to get the uh, puck going the other way and or, you know, hold on to it, let those passing lanes develop and, uh, and, and, and make that accurate quick pass. Um, almost kind of surprising his teammates sometimes. So, He's been very uh, impressed uh, on that side of the puck. Yeah, it's uh, 40 points to 25 games. I'd, I'd say that's not bad for, for a defenseman right now. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's it's pretty incredible to see the way that he's, he started off this year. And, you know, last year, uh, Kirill Kudratsev was, uh, you know, finalist for OHL Defenseman of the Year. What, what stands out to you when you watch uh, Kirill play? He's been... He's been getting more responsibility. Uh, this is my second year working with him. He eats up a ton of ice. I mean, there's been, there's got to be close to at least five, six games this year where he's played close to 30 minutes. Um, he just gobbles up, plays in all situations, um, high hockey sense, um, you know, really good awareness on both sides of, uh, uh, of the puck. Um, you know, Kirill, uh, you know, typically like some of these Russian guys, you get him. There's a language barrier. There's a cultural barrier. Um, he he's engaging. He doesn't waste many words, but he takes what you have to give him and he chews on it and he goes right. He doesn't, you know. There's not he's man, not not many words, but um, it's been impressive, right? Like you know, for, for the amount of he's playing up in Sioux, there you know every other weekend there it seems like they're bussing down to southern Ontario, driving 10, 12 hours, and uh, playing three games in four nights or whatnot, and. Uh, he just finds a way to manage his game and, and uh, prepare himself. He takes care of his body like a pro. Um, so, so it's been great. It's been, uh, you know, he's been really impressive. 
Another one of your guys' players in the OHL is Wilmer Eriksson, Ulriksson, who came over from Sweden after being drafted this year by you guys, and he's been playing it for the Guelph Storm. And, you know, I've seen some highlights of him, obviously using his size and his goal-scoring ability. And the other day, he's massive. (laughs) And the other day, I saw him drop the gloves with somebody as well. Like, he's embracing the physical aspect of the game. Like, what do you make of his transition to the North American game? You know, like I said, getting on the ice with these guys at Dev Camp, you kind of get a real taste of what they're about and and and, and who they are uh, as a person, as a player. And and like you said, Bilmer, massive. Like, yeah, he's he's got to be at least six five, tower. He, I feel every time I see him, he's growing, right? <laughs> like he's towering over me. Um, you know, big man, good mobility, um, good hands, good shot. Uh, you know, that's another guy just getting acclimated to North American style game, right? Like using his strength, um, you know, he's getting stronger along the walls. He's getting better at, you know, a, a big man like that that can move and has good hands. Once he gets a, 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 a defender on his back, it's nearly impossible mm-hmm. to take the puck away. So um, he made a beautiful assist on, the, I think, game-winning goal this past weekend, kind of one-handled, shoveled it with a yeah. guy on his back, uh, guy draped all over him. If you have a chance, take a look at it. Um, you know, backdoor pass, one-handed, boom, you know, they go up. And then obviously the fight, um, you know, we see this stuff all the next day and, you know, we get a little chuckle between our development group, um, you know, passing these clips around. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, there was no hesitation, right? Like, you watched a clip earlier on. Um, I'm not saying he's going to be a fighter by any means, but just to kind of answer the bell yeah. and uh, to be there. I don't know, you know, I don't know what happened before that, but the kid was almost like taunting him, drops one glove, and then Vilmer, without hesitation, Boom, drop the gloves and uh, starts throwing bombs. So um, this kid's got so much potential and, uh, you know, can't be, can't, can't be any more excited than I am. Uh, this, this isn't necessarily a specific question on, on Vilmer, but, you know, he is a big player. And you know, sometimes we'll see uh, players with size, but maybe they don't use it as effectively as they can. How, how difficult is that learning process to not only have the size, but to be able to use it as efficiently as possible? Ooh, um yeah, good question. I think he doesn't realize how strong he is yet, right? Like, he's grown so much. This is our first year with him. Um, he's growing into his body. He's growing into his feet, right? He's he's a man and, and, and still an 18-year-old kid's body, right? So uh, just being patient with these kids, um, you know, kind of helping them realize, all right, these are situations where you could really use your body or this is where you could kind of use your feet and quickness agility, right? So recognizing those situations, um he, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's, uh, you know, he, he's a lot of promise. He's got so much skill, um, but the pace, you know, it's a lot. It's a lot for these guys that thrown at him, and and he's adjusted well. But the pace and the, you know, learning physical side, um, you know, he he's making strides in this, in this short little time. One one other guy I wanted to ask you about is Aiden Celebrini, the teammate of uh, Tom Willander for Boston University, and obviously his brother Macklin also on the team. Um, he's a 19 year old, but a guy that obviously ha- you know ha- he's the rare type of prospect who plays the right side, is a right handed defenseman. How do you think he's progressed so far this year? Aiden's, I mean, all our guys are great kids. He's he's a great great kid. Um, you know, plays with heart, competes. He's physical. Moves well from a big guy. Um, you know, he's coming in on, uh, you know, uh, an experienced kind of a, a BU team. I think it's him and Tom on the back end that are uh, uh, freshmen. But, I mean, he's earning his way. He's earning his stripes, right? Like, um, his ice time has been up and down this year. But they're, without a doubt, by the end of the season, Tom's going to uh, – or Aiden's going to be 
um, you know, a, a consistent contributor on that back end. Um, you know, he's uh, he's committed to his craft. You know, him and his brother are pushing pushing themselves. I mean, they're they're finding ice. You know, the, you know these guys typically practice. Uh, you know, eleven thirty, twelve o'clock. Then they go a couple classes, and then him and his brother will go. Even even Tom, right? These guys are finding ice late. You know, who knows? Maybe they're on the ice right now. But you know, they'll find extra ice. They're finding. Uh, little ways, uh, areas where they can improve. So it's really impressive. Um, you know, t- Tom, uh, I love meeting him, or I should say Aiden, both these guys, but Aiden, you know, tons of, tons of, uh, he's always got a smile on his face. He was engaging. Um, just a great, I can't speak, uh, you know, any more, uh, any better about the kid. Mike, uh, we, we really appreciate your time and your insights. It's, uh, it's been a pleasure catching up. Thanks for this. Hey, I appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me. There is uh, Mike Komisarek joining us uh, here on Canucks Central and uh, some really good insights there from a Canucks development coach. But we do have some breaking news. Elliot Friedman just tweeting one minute ago, hearing Vancouver is trading Anthony Beauvillier to Chicago. That is happening now. So Chicago is out from Corey Perry and in on Anthony Beauvillier, no word on exactly what that entails. This is one um, speculating here as uh, we yet to have the details set, but I would imagine Vancouver wouldn't have had to pay to get rid of Anthony Beauvillier's expiring contract, like in terms of like an extra asset to give to Chicago. No, uh, and and, uh, Elliot Friedman says he believes the return is a fifth-round pick. Okay, so maybe... uh, Canucks get a draft pick out of moving Anthony Beauvillier. um, And... More importantly, some cap space, which they'll be able to use as the season goes on. Uh, Anthony Beauvillier, uh, well, I guess uh, Phil DiGiuseppe is not coming out of the lineup after all. Maybe that's what... Uh, that's Rick- what that's what made the trade. <laughs> that's what Rick Tockett was alluding to yesterday when he said, well, uh, hold your horses. I don't know if uh, Phil DiGiuseppe is coming out of the lineup just yet. But um, Anthony Beauvillier uh, was a part of the, the Bo Horvat trade, obviously, and... Struggled to really find a fit on the roster here, Sat, in the start of this season. You know, they didn't really see him as a, a as a top six fit. Tried him there on Saturday, and it didn't really work out all that well. And now, you know, we always kind of knew Bovillier was probably a guy they move eventually. It was more a matter of when, not if, considering his expiring deal and uh, the need for cap space here in Vancouver. Yeah, I mean, the cap space is the motivating factor here. A fifth-round pick is a fifth-round draft pick. Um, now, you probably could have gotten more for Bavillier later in the season. Like, if you get to the trade deadline, uh, maybe you retain some salary. But you weren't getting a second-round pick. I don't no. think you were getting, you know, especially with how he's playing. Like, he's he would have to play at a high level. He would have had to play on Pedersen's line, score a bunch, and then maybe you're getting a second at the trade deadline. But I think maybe you could have, you know, got a little bit more if you wait till later. But the cap space is what's important. Yes. Um, the four point, like the over $4 million in cap charge that you're saving here is big for the Vancouver Canucks. Bovillier, two goals. Both came in the 10-1 win over Chicago, uh, San Jose earlier this season. Eight points on the year. He, he did feel like, in fairness, like he was he was coming around a little bit. But still... You know, cap space is king right now, and the Vancouver Canucks absolutely needed the cap space somehow, some way moving forward, and this is one way that they are able to get some of that. Now, Bavillier at 
million dollars of a cap charge, you're completely clearing that off the books by not having to take a contract back like we saw with the uh, Tanner Pearson to Montreal deal for Casey DeSmith. Yeah, we'll see ultimately what, what the entire trade looks like right. when it, it all kind of comes through here. Uh, if there is any sort of uh, retention or at all, it doesn't look like there is, but we'll see uh, ultimately exactly what it looks like. Um, but even so, the Canucks don't clear up all their LTIR space because they have a few guys injured. They also have Carson Soucy on LTIR as well. But what this does is clear up at least uh, the f- almost a full two and a half million you can use um, for Carson Soucy. Sorry, for uh, Tucker Pullman, who's yeah. out. And I'll go through the math here. So, you, so once you do that, at the very least, the Canucks don't need to worry about making any other roster moves that bring guys on. And now you have enough cap space that... If you sign Ethan Bear, for instance, because the Canucks have to use LTIR space, right? So if they get rid of the entire salary here for Anthony Bavillier and you have a little LTIR you're into because of Carson Soucy, but also Tucker Pullman more than anything else, the Canucks could conceivably sign a player like Ethan Bear. Mm-hmm. It would count dollar for dollar, so prorated $2 million contract, for instance, and that would count less money paid but it would count still dollar for dollar for ltir space now they have the space to do that type of thing so you don't have to just look at the minimum contract stuff right. you actually look at a player that you can acquire that can make a couple million or you can sign a player who's a free agent for a couple million potentially whether that is ethan bear or not and again with ethan bear we'll see ultimately where that goes but uh it does give them real flexibility now and we were uh sort of just talking about this with with Irfan gaffar you know the canucks do have some ideas of what they want to do with this team. And, you know, they, they probably don't need to add a bottom six forward. If they're going to add a forward, it's probably somebody that theoretically fits higher up the lineup. Could they add some kind of defenseman uh, to really add to this group at some point this year? Well, at least you have a little bit of cap, cap flexibility now to do something with this roster and maybe look at some of the additions that are very clearly needed uh, with this roster in the not-so-distant future. We'll dive more into this. Take more of your texts on it as well. 650-650 on the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Anthony Beauvillier to the Chicago Blackhawks for a fifth-round pick. That's the deal yet to be officially announced by the Vancouver Canucks, but we assume that'll happen very shortly. More to come on Canucks Central. Canuck Central back in the Kintec studio. This hour brought to you by Brevo. Brevo provides convenient cloud-based access control systems from your mobile device for any industry. Go to lp.brevo.com slash Canada for a smart demonstration. It is uh, Canuck Central, and uh, we are reacting to Anthony Beauvillier being traded to the Chicago Blackhawks in exchange for a 2024 fifth-round 
draft choice. Beauvillier had a uh, $4.15 million cap charge, was an expiring contract, is an expiring contract, and um, is an unrestricted free agent at the end of this season. Chicago just moved on from Corey Perry, obviously, given the news today, and uh, had just 41 contracts on their books after making that move. Corey Perry was a $4 million cap charge. Now they've replaced it with Anthony Beauvillier here. Yeah, I and mean, people are, were asking, uh, did they were they at the cap floor? Um, I, I think they were above the cap. I don't think they needed to make this deal to be at the cap floor. Yeah. Although, uh, we'll double-check that. I uh, don't think that they needed to do that. Um, they uh, would have well, technically, $70 million as a cap charge now. Yeah, right now they're up... Before Anthony Beauvillier. So they were just above the floor before that. Yeah. And uh, that's uh, essentially the reason that uh, they made this move. And um, for the Canucks, I mean, it's obvious. uh, We've talked about them wanting to move cap space and needing to move cap space, needing to move a contract so that they can eventually add to this roster. I think, you know, 22 games into the season – and we've talked about this a little bit over the last week, 10 days, Sat. I think the Canucks have a pretty clear idea of where they need to be better with their roster. And it was the first step in that process is opening up some sort of cap flexibility to be able to start making or planning for the moves that you can make to get a little bit better and push for the postseason. Yeah, and I mean, if you want to make the bigger additions, the Canucks have a little bit of cap space, but they don't have a ton of cap space. Yeah, like right now, what this is doing for Vancouver, it's it's giving them a little bit of flexibility here, but it's not a ton of flexibility. It's still just enough. Like I mentioned, if you want to sign a player like say Ethan Bear, you could. Whether it's a million or two million, you could do something along those lines. You can add a player making a couple million; they can do that. But I I also think the way you have to look at this too is what opportunities could arise as time goes on a little bit here. Yes. And I still think they're going to be active in trying to do more with this roster. Like, you know, Bavillier was, at the end of the year, not going to come back. It doesn't fix a long-term thing for you, but it fixes something for you now. But um, I just think it's a good move for the team. You know, you, the fact that you, you're able to get a fifth-round draft pick and cap flexibility at this point of the season, Dan, it's not an easy thing to do. Yeah. And the reason it probably happens is because Chicago all of a sudden has a need. Mm-hmm. They need to have some credible players around. Connor Bedard, they got rid of one of their bigger additions this offseason as a free agent in Corey Perry. So I think they had a, a real need. And, and this may have not happened if the whole Corey Perry situation doesn't unfold the way it does. Yeah. It, uh, you know, I'd heard, uh, I mean, go back into the summer, we had heard some connection with Vancouver and Chicago. And, you know, there was a wonder if Chicago had some interest in Connor Garland. Um, but uh, I had heard that there was recent discussions between the team and here today, obviously there's a move happening and for Anthony Bovillier, I mean, it's probably a great spot for him. You know, he's going to go into Chicago, be a top six guy and maybe get to play some primo offensive type minutes in a year where he is an unrestricted free agent. So uh, it's a good spot for him. And it, uh, it also helps the Vancouver Canucks, as you mentioned, not a ton of, cap space created by this move for Vancouver. We've known the connection with Ethan Bear for a long while now. Um, does this open up at least space for the Canucks to re-sign Ethan Bear 
should that be coming down the pipe here in the next little while? It could. Uh, you have the you have the money to do it now. You know, yeah. and we know the Canucks are on the lookout. Assuming it's about a $2 million type Yeah, deal. and I mean, they could play. I think that's a number I think Bear wants. Now, does that mean Vancouver signs them to that number? Mm-hmm. It could be less. Like, all I'm saying is you have the flexibility now to do so. And for Ethan Bear, like, he wants to probably sign by December 1. There's a waiver process that yeah. has to happen if he signs after, uh, a bit later in December. If, so if he signs later, then he has to be exposed to waivers. Then where does he end up signing for? And where does he end up going ultimately? So if you want to get him into your team as soon as possible, then you're probably trying to expedite that the next few days here. Yeah. And so that could be one move that this potentially opens up. And as we talked about earlier, it's the way that the Canucks have done their business and adding to this team. It's like they've, they've done their shopping for, bottom six types they've yeah. done their shopping for role players they brought a lot of role players in you know they have phil di giuseppe they have sam lafferty that they brought in for a fifth round draft choice they've now replenished that fifth round draft choice uh teddy bluger uh is another player they signed in the summer pew Suter, another player they signed in the summer like a lot of the moves they made over the summer were Guys with some versatility, bottom six type players that can play on the penalty kill, that can yeah. make them a more well-rounded team, but they're missing a little bit in the top six. If you're going to add a forward to this team, it's probably a player with a little bit more of an offensive profile than some of the guys they brought in over the course of the summer to round out the roster with. And it's also like the thing about Bavillier, he's one of those tweener top six guys where he's not really a top six guy he's not talented enough to really play in your top six but he's also not the type of checking forward that's going to be a staple in your bottom six like he's a guy that can move up and down your lineup you know what he is a luxury forward yeah you know people mention especially at that cost yeah people mention mikhaev being a luxury player he actually plays in a lot of different situations that's a he's he's a luxury guy garland on this team is a bit of a luxury player because he's not really featuring on your first unit power play not playing your top six making a lot of money like it's a bit of a luxury role a guy can help you obviously but you're paying a lot for it and bavilia is a luxury player i think he's a nice depth player for a team that can maybe fit him in somewhere you move him up and down the lineup but for four million it just makes no sense like it, it just it doesn't make any sense. Well, it, it it was it was strange when he was part of the Bo Horvat trade to a certain level. It felt almost like the Canucks were helping the Islanders make the money match a little bit by taking on Anthony Beauvillier, but it didn't seem like there was an extra asset involved for them doing that, which was a little bit surprising. However, when you looked at it, well, maybe that asset or, you know, the flexibility comes further down the line mm-hmm. because it's not it was be it would be an expiring contract this year and therefore it would be easier to move. And that's what we're seeing. And you saw that with Tanner Pearson, you're seeing it now with Anthony Beauvillier, these middle six guys that are probably getting paid just a little bit too much. Even if they're an if they're an expiring contract, they're they're just that much easier to move. But yeah. if you're Connor Garland with two years remaining, a lot harder to move that contract. It is a lot. And I mean and, and I think you have to look at the real money here too. The fact is Garland is owed six million in salary next year and five million in his final year. So beyond this season, it's eleven million. And this year his salary is a six million dollar salary. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those things where the money owed to him is significant, whereas for Bavillier it's not as significant. And 
the Chicago in terms of cash commitments. Now, Corey Perry signed a one-year deal worth $4 million. $2 million of that was in signing bonus, which means he was paid that before. Now, I don't know what the legal rights are with him having his contract right, terminated. Right. Do they claw back some of that signing bonus money or not? I don't know if they can not? do that. <laughs> I don't know if they can or not. But, but he's owed $2 million in salary the rest of the season. Yeah. So Chicago, when they made that move, they opened up a little bit of actual budget flexibility as well to take that right. on. And I'm just not sure another team at this point in the season would have been willing to eat that money from for Bavillier right now. And like I said, if you held on to Bavillier and had traded him at the deadline and retained some salary, you would have got more in return. Mm-hmm. But it's worth it doing it now for you to get the flexibility, especially when a team like Chicago is willing to make this move. Um. You don't know when these opportunities are going to open up, right? Generally, teams that are very much in rebuild mode don't want to be going out there and acquiring players and having to give up picks to do so. So this is, in that sense, a unique opportunity that opened up. There are very few teams that actually have cap space in the National Hockey League. Chicago is one of them because, again, they're a rebuilding team. So these opportunities this early in the season are very unique and also the benefit of just having to moving the contract without having to take anything back. Like even with Tanner Pearson, they had to take Casey DeSmith back. Now maybe they wanted to some level take Casey DeSmith back, but that's sort of the point. It's very hard to make uh, moves where you just move a complete salary and not have to take anything back, whether it's retention or another contract. Well, I mean, essentially this deal is Sam Lafferty for Anthony Bavillier. Canucks gave up a fifth-round pick to acquire Sam Lafferty. They acquired a fifth-round pick to trade Anthony Bavillier. It's essentially swapping those guys for one another. Which goes back to what you mentioned before in terms of stylistically. I mean, number one, you'd rather pay a million bucks yes. for what Lafferty brings than paying four million for what Bavillier brings. But it's the fact that he's a UFA mm-hmm. that allows this trade to happen. Like yeah. when there's money coming back, and the fact that again, like I think they took advantage of a situation Chicago found itself in. Taylor Hall's injured long term. They had Corey Perry now being dispatched. The team, of course, they they're not expecting to win, but they have Connor Bedard there. Like you have to have some credible players around him. And, yeah, I'm sure teams were willing to trade away some of their um, guys with term to Chicago. But I think it was a good job by Vancouver to, to jumping in here to fill a need. Because I don't think they would have been able to make this trade with another team right now. Um, I cannot believe the amount of texts that we're receiving about this specific player. Our listeners are hoping the Canucks might have a look at now that they've opened up some cap space. Uh, this text... By God, is that Phil Kessel's music? <laughs> it could be. That's no. Chris in traffic. Another text. So you're saying they're about to sign Phil Kessel. That's from Colin in the Caribou. Let's get crazy. Sign Kessel. Build the new HBK line. Hoaglander, Bluger, and Kessel. And uh, it goes on and on. I can't believe how many Phil Kessel texts they're coming into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox at. Yeah. No, I mean, I don't know if... If that's the move now, could it happen? Sure, like you have a <laughs> you have a spot open here, and I don't think you're signing Phil Kessel to more than a league minimum type of contract anyway. So I don't, you know, if so, here's the thing: like signing Phil Kessel, I don't think it mattered whether you have cap space or not. Yeah, like I don't think Phil Kessel is a player who's commanding a million plus or anything right now. So it's something around league minimum, and they can add league minimum players. That's not really an issue here for them. Yeah. They could uh, – Phil Kessel just wants to get back in, you know. <laughs> Doesn't care about his Iron Man streak anymore. He just wants to win another cup. Yeah. He wants to, like, go down in lore of, uh, like, being a player that won four or five or six cups. I don't know what, I don't know what he's up to, but 
Uh, he's already up to three rings. Uh, we'll see if he can uh, get a fourth. But I don't know if Vancouver is the fit for Phil Kessel. Now, now let's look at some of uh, the assets the Canucks now all of a sudden have. So they get a fifth-round pick back. Yep. So that means, and it's a 2024 fifth-round pick, they're saying, right? Yes. So, and I think that will be Calgary's pick. So, okay. which could be a decent fifth-round pick. I mean, Chicago's would have been better, but, you know, we'll see how Calgary Chicago, goes. Chicago... Uh... Does not have their fifth round pick. No, they traded they traded their pick away already. But I think they do have, like I said, they have Calgary's fifth Calgary's round. So that must pick. be the one that they've moved. Yes. Right. So we'll see. Ultimately, when it's official, official, because I don't think the team has announced. The team this has yet. not yet announced. And um, and, and it's funny because you go on the Canucks Twitter account and uh, the last video is, is Anthony Bavillier. No, it's not. It starts with Bavillier. It's hockey yes. fights cancer, and they're and you know he's writing who he's fighting for, which is survivors and everything. But yes, you see Bavillier, but yeah, you know, the the trade has not yet come down, but. That means that the Canucks are now all of a sudden have made good on that fifth-round pick. So they have their fifth-round pick this year, and that means the only pick they're missing is their second-round pick this season. But they have an extra fourth-round pick. Yeah. So they still have seven picks in this year's draft, but they're missing uh, that second-round draft pick. But I think that's good. And now, not to say you're going to go out and trade all these picks again, but I do think the fact that you're back to having seven selections in this draft is a positive one. And it's a minor little thing, but every little bit ha- helps. I don't, I'm not a big proponent of going out and trading, you know, second and third round picks for rentals. But am I against trading a fourth or a fifth for help or something if you had to? Like, no, I'm not against that. I mean, it's you're talking about minor deals. And now you're getting that back in return. And maybe the Canucks either use it to draft players or maybe use that to help their team. And I think that's a positive. Well, the fifth round pick that they gave up for Sam Lafferty, uh, as much discussion as there was when the trade happened on the day, I don't think too many Canucks fans are disappointed with what Sam Lafferty's brought to the roster already. No, I don't think right? they so are. So you can find useful players for fourth and fifth round picks to add to your roster. Precisely. So if you have a need, you can yeah. do that. Now, do you look at depth defensemen? I mean, hey, th- is there a player on a team somewhere that's not getting minutes that you know has some decent value, and now you have a little bit of cap space to so go after and trade for a player like that? Yeah. You know, because there are teams that have a six, seven defenseman who maybe they might be looking to move potentially. Uh, Columbus, maybe. Columbus, yeah. And now those guys have a bit more term and money yeah. on it. But even for guys that are rental. So I think now it, it gives you something there because you don't have to go and trade a fourth. You don't have to go and trade your sixth. And just having some of that value is, is not too bad. This text here says, it's essentially a trade now. Horvat for Heronic, Atu, Ratu, and a fifth-round pick. Plus the Canucks gave up a second, and they acquired a fourth. So, I mean, the, the yeah. proper trade is Horvat and a second for Heronic, Atu, Ratu, a fifth-round pick, and a fourth-round pick. If you're combining the three trades, the Horvat trade, the Heronic trade, yes. and now the Bavillier trade, then that's the total outcome. The Canucks get a fourth and a fifth Ratu and Heronic back in return for Horvat and a second. Uh, I think it's a pretty good trade, considering Bo Horvat was a rental and wasn't going to re-sign here. Yeah. Um, or the Canucks weren't going to pay what Horvat was looking for. So essentially, a fourth and a fifth is like getting a third. So, so they're essentially they essentially traded a second and Horvat for Hironik, Ratu, and a third. Yeah, like in terms of value, we look at overall value in the trade. So they traded a second, but they're getting the, the equivalent of a third back essentially with how they do the trade. So in totality, um, it's. I mean, I think it's a fine trade. Like, look at how good Hironik has been. And you, you know, you Tyler could, texted he, in and said, you know, uh, is is uh, Ratu going to be a 
AHLer. I mean, Ruatu has potential. Like he could play NHL he's games. He's scoring for you. a little bit. He's, he's he gotten pretty hot. Is it going to be a winger though? Maybe not a center. That might be something. But like he's a legit. Like he's still he's a leg, he's legitimately a top five prospect for the Canucks. Yes, he's. We said it when the trade happened. Like Ratu's going to play NHL games. He played NHL games last year. We've, uh, not to pat ourselves on the back, but you know, from day one, we've kind of been like, this is a, a long-term project. Even if he might get a game or two here or there, yeah. like maybe expect Aturatu to season in the AHL almost the entire year this year. Well, and we like, had... he's just about to turn, or he just turned 21. Like he's very young still as a prospect. Yeah, I mean, it'd be good to go back and listen to that hit we did with Shane Malloy after the trade. Right. And essentially, you know, we, Shane broke it down and said, don't expect this guy to play right now. He's, he's a very promising prospect. They think highly of him. He thought he was the best prospect in the Islander system. Yeah. A very thin system, albeit nonetheless, the top guy there. But he said it's going to take a couple of years. Like you got to be patient with him, you know, let his game develop. But there's a lot there and you know somebody else texted in and said it's sure not like the linden trade where we got what we got back to him over the years i mean it hasn't even been a calendar year since bo Horvat was traded linden was traded yeah the canucks got bertuzzi yeah um and they got brian mccabe and they got drafted which ended up being uh yarkurutu but then many years later a couple years later they traded mccabe yeah and ended up getting a sedim back and some years after that they traded bertuzzi got luongo back and after that traded luongo to get markstrom back and but i mean we're talking about decades of time yeah the horror for us to see what the, the trade, trade tree, tree is still very young it's very young we'll see what it ultimately like because initially it was brian mccabe and todd bertuzzi and yeah. essentially yarkurutu if you were okay so horvat and a second round pick for Hronik, ratu and a fifth is that essentially what we're looking a fourth and a fifth a fourth and a fifth yeah because they i mean it, that fourth they got back from yeah sh- from detroit like they got a fourth back into yes. from detroit for trading that second so i mean look i do that trade again today if it was offered on the table yeah the way heronix fit in the way heronix has fit into this roster i mean even the most pessimistic person looking at that trade would say value-wise, Ronick and Horvat kind of come out in the wash as in terms of value that they're providing for their respective teams. But on top of it, you got Aturatu and a fifth. So, yeah, the, the stinging part is still that extra second-round pick that they had to give up in the Ronick trade. But, look, the right-shot defenseman at that age, so hard to find – the issue you're having now with Ronick is just how much he's going to cost, but it's maybe a good problem to have considering how well he's fit into this team. They're essentially what they're essentially doing is giving the money they were going to give Horvat to, to a younger right righty defenseman. Yes. Now a little bit le- now they were not going to give Horvat eight million. I don't think they're giving Horonic eight million. Now oh. here's the if, thing: if they it, were going to give Horvat eight million, he's probably still here, right? Now what could be interesting for those talking about the trade tree. Like, is there a world where Hironik has priced himself out of an extension in Vancouver? Even <laughs> like, if if Flip Hironik says, "I want eight point two five, I want eight point five, I don't think Vancouver is going to give him more than Quinn, right? So, and I don't I, know, that guy got danced by Mikael Granlund on the weekend, so <laughs> he did. He should be happy with seven and a half million. Seven and a half, <laughs> and that's a lot of money, man. It's still a lot of money. I, like, I think I think the Canucks would have been willing to do something with Bo around seven million per year. Yeah, you know, maybe not over eight years, but like seven, seven or something along those lines. Like, I think. 
whatever they were, they were willing to pay Bo, I mm-hmm. think they're essentially going to pay Hironik, who's a younger player, slightly younger than Bo, but a righty defenseman, something that you don't have. And I'd make that swap any day. But, I mean, for those that want to see a trade tree grow, if uh, Hironik has been so good that he priced himself out of Vancouver, maybe that trade tree grows this offseason, Dan. Who knows? Yeah, it, it could. <laughs> uh, this text, uh, Kaprizov was a fifth-round pick. This team needs to build the prospect pool, not trade picks for rentals. Uh, so... Uh, should expect a text like that to come in. Um, yeah, and listen, the, my point here is you have an asset back in the fold, whether that's you using that in the draft yes. or whether you're using that in a trade for some sense. Like, it's it's positive getting an asset because we've seen, we we sat here and talked about don't frown at five fifth-round draft picks, you know, like get something back in return. And now they have an actual tangible asset back in return. And especially during the season when, you know, teams are up against it and if you have a little flexibility, you see what you can get. Like, you can get a little bit of help if you need to. So what the Canucks lineup now looks like with Anthony Beauvillier moved to the Chicago Blackhawks, uh, we will break this down a little bit further coming up in the pregame show. But uh, Mikheyev, Patterson, Kuzmenko, DiGiuseppe, JT Miller, Brock Besser, Dakota Joshua, Teddy Bluger, Connor Garland, Nils Hoaglander, Nils Oman, and Sam Lafferty, Anthony Beauvillier, is now a Chicago Blackhawk. So you just have the 12 forwards on the roster with the eight defensemen. We'll see uh, if the Canucks make a corresponding move, but probably won't do it today. Might be something they do tomorrow and moving forward, especially with Pew Suter on the way back from Injury. Uh, somebody, people are pointing this out. You guys have to mention when uh, the trade happened and Alvin said we got three first rounders back in return. <laughs> now we know the value of Bavillier. It's a fifth not, rounder. Not a first rounder. It's a fifth rounder. But hey, they got the money off the books. And, then, and we said at least you can flip Bavillier at some point, and they did. Uh, all right. The pregame show is coming up. Canucks and Anaheim Ducks from Rogers Arena next on Sportsnet 650.